Hi, beloved. The Bible says, But we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all. This is a Zion Impact Ministry presentation, and we pray that there will be a performance and renewal of your minds. Stay blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for today. It's just by the grace of God that we are here. And it's just by the grace of God that we have a message for today. So, I want someone to help me read. The book of Job chapter 13. I want us to read from the verse number 13 to the verse number 19. If someone could help me read the book of Job. Chapter 13, the verse number 13 to the verse number 19. Go your peace with me, and let me speak. Then let come on me what may. Why do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I'll defend my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. For hypocrites could not come before him. Listen carefully to my speech and to my declaration with your ears. See now, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be vindicated. Who is he who will contend with me? If now I hold my tongue, I perish. Hallelujah. Amen. Give me the book of Matthew chapter 6, the verse number 10. Matthew 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the Bible is yours, underline these few words. As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Now, if you go back to the book of Job chapter 13. The Bible says that Job was making a particular case. Now, this was in response to certain things that have happened in his life. And then fortunately for him or unfortunately for him, he had a group of friends who decided to come around him and help him. Now, when his friends saw the kind of predicament that he was in, they began to say certain things. They began to inquire of Job. And they were astonished because they said, God is not an unrighteous God. God, he is not an unrighteous God. So if you say, my friend, that you are righteous, then why is God treating you like this? So they were urging his friend, I mean, they were, they were urging their friend Job, that confess your sins. The wife, the, she didn't even want Job to confess the sins. She said, just deny God. Betray him. Give up your integrity and die. Because this is something that doesn't make sense. When they looked at the life of Job and they compared it to people who were unrighteous, it seemed like people who were unrighteous and God was punishing, their lives was better than Job. Because it didn't make sense to them that man, a man that God called perfect in his ways lost everything that he had in one day. Lost everything that he had been praying to God for. He had been praying to God to maintain. Because the Bible says that sometimes his family, his children will go have parties. He will wake up early in the morning and go and offer a sacrifice saying perhaps... 
He says, listen to the word about the verse of the Bible. They curse God in their hearts. Mistakenly, they curse God. He has been fighting, bleeding with God, standing in the presence of God to maintain everything that God had given to him. And the man we call righteous, the Bible says, lost everything. So Job got angry. If you read from the verse number one, you realize that he got to a point and he started insulting his friends. But that's not the point of that's not the focus of our discussion today. In the verse number 13, he says, Hold your peace with me. Do not speak anymore. Let me speak. This is Joe speaking. Let me speak. Then it says, Why do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my lives in your hands? Why are you guys discussing my matter? Why are you guys trying to tell me what is going on with me? Then he says to them, See, I know this God that I am serving. I believe in him. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. So he says in the verse number 15, Though he slays me, Yet I will trust him. How many people have how many people know this scripture? How many people have used this scripture one or two times in their life before? That something bad happens to you, they say, Father, do you slay me? See, sometimes it's not the slaying of the Lord, sometimes your own disobedience. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes it's not the slaying of the Lord at all. But, anyways, let's go ahead. It says, Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Give me the King James of the verse number 15 again. The King James Version of the verse number 15. Though he slays me, yet will I trust in him. Then look at what Job says. But I will maintain, underline this phrase in your Bible, if the Bible is yours. I will maintain my own ways before him. Though God is slaying me, he's saying that I will trust God. But then Job made a particular statement that made me begin to wonder. But I will maintain my own ways before him. The new King James says, even so, I will maintain my own ways. Job is saying that I understand that God is a good God. Whether he slays me or not, I will trust him. But then he made a statement that contradicts this trust. And that is the statement that many of us are making. We are saying that God, even though you are slaying me, I will trust you. Even though things are not going well, I will believe in you. Even though things are not going well, I will come to church, yet I will maintain my way. That means that if I get my own way, oh, I will not trust you again. The only reason why some of us are trusting God is because God has blocked our way. The only reason why some of us, we are not in Bloomba, because when we see the price list of the drinks on the menu, we can't pay. Oh, we can't pay. Oh, it seems like, it seems like I'm not with... You can see me. The only reason why you are still trusting God, the only reason you are still trusting God is because God has blocked your way. If you get your way, you will maintain it and forget the trust of God. How many people understand what the word but means? If I say, oh, you are beautiful, but it means that you are not beautiful. Stop. Oh, do you understand me? Yes. Do you understand me? Yeah. If I say you are a good boy, but it means you are not a good boy. So even though he slays me, I will trust him, but it means I don't trust God. It means I don't trust God. It means that my trust in God is circumstantial. It is out of convenience. If I get my way, forget about the trust of God. See, if some of us had money to drive certain cars, we will not be in church. If some of us had money to buy certain plane tickets and afford certain vacations, we will not be in church. See, sometimes eh, it's not that you are humble. 
It's just that you can't afford. Yeah. Oh, say to your neighbor, neighbor, it's not that you are humble. You can't afford. God is blocking your way. Hallelujah. I'm preaching, eh? I'm preaching. Hallelujah. Oh, are you with me so far? Or is it like I'm misinterpreting the scripture? Eh? Are you with me so far? Yes. Are you with me? So this is what Job is saying. I trust in you, God. But I will maintain my way. And that is what happens in the church. Too. You see someone coming to church. Father, give me a wife. Father, give me a husband. Father, give me scholarship. Father, give me a visa. Father, give me money for plane ticket. Father, give me scholarship. And then when God opens the words, way. Then we go out of the way. Out of his presence. Say, mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, this will Lord. not be your story. Amen. This will not be your story. Amen. When you trust in God, you will also believe in his ways. Hallelujah. Amen. When you trust in God, you would also accept his ways. Yes, Lord. Oh, do you understand me so far? Me too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to go into the ways of God. That is what we are treating today. The way of God. Now, Prophet Hayford, by the grace of God, started a message on the will of God. I am not going to attempt to delve into the will of God because he wants, I mean, he promised us that you conclude, right? So we would wait for the man of God to conclude on a powerful note. Whilst we are waiting, I want us to look at one aspect of the will of God, which is his ways. And I want to define it in a particular way. But before we do that, right? Before we do that, how many people have heard of this particular phrase? The end justifies the. How many people have heard of that? You've heard of that before. Now, this particular phrase is actually a statement that was made by one political figure. We're not going to go into that. But then it carries a particular mindset that, so far as I can determine that an outcome is good. The ways in which I use in getting that outcome, it doesn't matter. Do you understand me so far? Do you understand me so far? So, if I determine that, let's say, um, someone needs, let's say the president, not the president of Ghana, but some other president, needs a kidney. It is a good thing that we give a kidney to our president or to the president, Right? So if it means that I catch someone and shoot the person, that means it doesn't look right, but I've saved someone. Oh, are you getting me so far? And that is the mindset that many of us have. Oh, that's the mindset that many of us have. God said that, oh, I will go to school. So the means in which you go into that school, we don't care. We are helping God fulfill the prophecy. And that is why sometimes many of us come to give testimonies in church, oh, but God is not in that testimony. If you actually spend time to tell us the details of that, your testimony, yeah. we will know that this one, God didn't give you. Oh, it seems like I'm not, I'm the only one preaching. If you spend time to tell us that before you got that car, oh, you passed by someone's house one Friday night and left there Sunday morning and you came to give that testimony at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'll know that, oh, 
God was not in that testimony. So this particular mindset, the end justifies the means. It's a very, very demonic mindset. I get me so far. Now, the question I want to bring your attention to is what is therefore the means that we should be using? What is the means? The book of Psalm 18 verse 30. Listen to what the Bible says. In the book of Psalm 18 verse 30, the Bible says that as for God, his way is perfect. If you don't have this scripture underlined in your Bible, you should underline it. This is one of the cardinal scriptures that, as a child of God, you must always have with you. That the means of God, the way in which God wants to execute his dealings with you, the way in which God wants to move with you, no matter what you think about it, no matter how you feel about it, no matter what you consider about it, it's perfect. No matter what you feel, it's perfect. Hallelujah. Underline that scripture in your Bible. So, the end, justifying the means, doesn't make sense to a believer. Now, what do I mean by that? You see, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, it says that I will bring you to what? An expected end. Let's read the whole scripture. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. So when God gives you a particular word, a particular prophecy, a particular indication, a particular statement, he already has planted in your mind his end. Do you get it? He says he will bring you what? To the expected end. In this particular scripture, he says that I will give you an expected end. What this doesn't state categorically is the means in which he will give you the end. Yeah. I get to me? Yeah. But then the Bible says in the book of Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's go to the book of Psalm 16, verse 11. What does the Bible say there? It says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Look at what the first sentence says. You will show me the path of life. So if God is promising you to give you an expected end, he is also promising you that he will show you the way. If God promises you that I'll give you a particular outcome, he promises that he would also show you the means. If God promises that he will bring you to point A, it means that however you are going to get to point A, he is also going to determine. You don't determine that. Say to your neighbor, you don't determine the how. Don't determine the how. You don't determine the means. Whether you like it or not, the way of the Lord, it is perfect. The way of the Lord, it is perfect. It is how many people have heard someone complain and say that I don't like the way that God is treating me in this particular area? I intentionally said how many people have heard someone say because I don't say how many people have said so if you have said it yourself, lift up your hand with me. Hallelujah. Now, why did you say you, do, you didn't like, or why do you hear someone say, I don't like how God is treating me in this particular area? I like your answer, man of God. The man of God says, the way that sometimes God takes you, it is what? Contrary to what you expect. So it means that whenever a man of God is giving a prophecy, when God is speaking to you, 
unfortunately for us, when God gives us the prophecy, we begin to calculate in our mind how we want the prophecy to be fulfilled. We say, the Bible says, the Bible says to us, or a man of God comes to us and says that, oh, next year by this time, you'll be married. Then, no, oh, you start running with it. I, I, I told you the last time of something that I did. I'm going to confess my sins. In the book, in the year 2015, God says, prepare to get married. I didn't ask God any other question. No, I went online and I started Dev Shaco Estates. <laughs> then I went to Regimanwell looking for because God says prepare and get married. In my mind, when you are preparing to get married, you must not be in your mother's house. You must be in your own house. When I looked at the prices, I said, Father, I'm not ready to be prepared to get married. Then God asked me a question. What did I say to you? Then God says, he said, I should prepare to get married. Yeah, so I was preparing. Then he says, he asked me a question. What is marriage? See, I promise you, when God asked me what is marriage, everything that I learned in RME and social studies left my mind. It just left my mind. I couldn't in any way provide an answer to God. And I realized why Adam says, I am naked. When God asks, where are you? I promise you. When God asks you a particular question, no matter what you know, you realize that he is trying to bring to your full mind what you don't know. He's trying to bring to your what, your mind what you don't know because what you know doesn't matter. And that is one of the things that many of us, the man, one of the mistakes that many of us are making. When we hear a particular word, we hear the expected end. We don't bother asking God how we don't bother even asking God what do you mean by this we begin to assume for God and then unfortunately when we don't get things happening our way we said but God you said but God you said and God says I said this but I didn't mean that God you said this but he says yes I said this but I didn't ask me what I meant by this. You didn't ask me how to achieve it. You didn't ask me. So you are seeking to know my will. But then you have not asked God, what is the way to that expected end? Why are you getting me so far? We are not talking about the will of God yet. But we are just drawing from that. When you know the expected when you know the expected in Psalm 18 verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. What is way? What is our definition of the word way? The meaning we are using for this particular service or for what we are talking about in the context of the will of God, we are talking about the method of God. We are talking about the means of God. I think we've already talked about that. The means of God. We are talking about the style of God. Hallelujah. The style of God. We are talking about the preferences of God. And we are talking about the mode of operation of God. Are you getting me so far? We are talking about the preference of God. The style of God. The mode of operation of God. So when the Bible says that, as for God, his way is perfect. What the Bible is saying that God's way of operating, it is perfect. God's preference it is perfect. God's choice, it is perfect. God's means, it is perfect. 
God's style, it is perfect. God might tell you that, oh, I want to take you here. The means in which he wants to operate with you. The Bible is saying that it is perfect. You can't question it. You can't question it. Now look at what the Bible says in Psalm 18 verse 30. It says that as for God, his way. So anytime you seek to know the will of God concerning a particular subject, a particular area of your life, God gives you a way. He doesn't give you ways. Listen to what the Bible is saying. Psalm 18 verse 30. As for God, his what? His what? His what? Is it plural or singular? Singular. So when you pray concerning a particular thing, that Father, I want to know your will concerning this area of my life. Father, I want to start this particular business. God will show you a way which is what? Perfect. It means that when God tells you that man of God, you are a prophet, and then I want you to go to the eastern region or to go to Canada and start a church. The man of God says, Man of God, you are a prophet. Go to Canada and start a church. Right? And then he comes to another man of God and says, Man of God, you are also a prophet. Go to Canada and start a, a church. The two of them have gotten to know the expected end. The means in which God wants this man to operate and this man of God to operate, it's singular to this man and it's also singular to this man. They are not the same. They are not the same. So you can't hear the word of God and then start copying this one's way. I come saying, you can't see someone doing ministry in a particular way. And then you come and say, oh, let me copy it. Because God has also called me as a prophet. They begin to do the same thing. You are trying to replicate an outcome. But if you don't know your way, there'll be no results. There'll be what? No results. There'll be no results. And that is one of the problems that many people in the church are having. That, oh, I heard that you have been called as a prophet. You have been sent to Canada. Now, you call your church ABC International Ministry. Then you also come and say, okay, my, the name of my church is ABCDEF International Ministry. Because you want to copy his way. In Ghana, when you start a business, oh, I don't continue. What God, you can sit down. What God, you can sit down. How many people know what I'm going to say? How many people understand what I'm going to say? Do you guys remember when there was the yellow umbrella for credit transfer back then? Oh, people, people are too young. Yeah, are you too young or you are too old? Which one is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. When there was that yellow umbrella for credit transfer, every street there was what? A yellow umbrella. The streets were so filled with yellow umbrellas. Now we started adding red umbrellas. And then all of a sudden that wave passed. Then we started hearing of what, what other thing came? Water. Everybody started getting a Kia truck. Everybody started selling ice, a joy. Everybody was copying. And that's one of the things that unfortunately. Now, I believe in the principle of copying. I believe in the principle of copying. It's one of the way to make steps. So, for instance, if let me use Ghana without any malicious intent, assuming we just take some of the ways in which some of these countries that have gone ahead of us are operating. And we just do the same thing. You Let's not change it. Our country would be desirable in a particular way. I'll just end it there. But then, unfortunately, when it comes to the things of God, you don't just see someone's outcome and copy the person's outcome. You must copy the person's way. And in fact, that way, you can't even copy it. It, it will not work for you. You must ask God, what is your way? 
You must ask God, what is what? Your way. Because the Bible says that, ask for God, his way. It's not his ways. It's not his ways. So you have been called as a prophet to Canada. The way God wants you to do ministry in Canada, you must ask God for it. If you tell me how you are doing ministry in Canada, and I come and tell this man of God, and he also begins to copy the same way, he will not get the expected end. He might get results, but he will not get the expected end. He might see progress, but he will not get the expected end. And that is why at the end of the day, God will say that I never knew you. Say mercy, Lord. At the end of the day, God will say what? I never knew you. You are achieving in your eyes and in the eyes of people around you some particular outcome. But the Bible says, as for God, his way is perfect. It means that anytime you choose your way, you have entered into the realm of imperfection. Write that in your notes. Anytime you choose your way, anytime you choose your way, you have entered into the realm of imperfection. Anytime you copy someone else's way, you have entered into the realm of imperfection. Anytime you choose not to accept what God is saying and how God is saying it, you have entered into the realm of imperfection. Do you understand me so far? Do you understand me so far? So I want us to look at another scripture that is quite popular and we all know. The book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is a way. The Bible, we've already defined what way is. Preference, choice, style, mode of operation. So there is a mode of operation that seems right to a man. There is a way, there is a preference that seems right to a man. There is a, um, what is it called? A style, a choice. That seems right to a man. But the Bible says that, but its end is the way of death. Now, the question I want to ask you is this. The question I want you, I want you to think about is this. What is it that makes it, first of all, right in a man's eye, his own way? What is it that makes one's way right in his own way? Do you understand the question I'm asking? If you say, Father, I don't want it like this, but I want it like this. How many people have asked someone to cook for them? Maybe fry an egg. And then the person fried the egg and added vegetables. And sometimes some people, they like vegetables, they select few vegetables. Oh, do you understand what I'm saying? So if you, want, if you want someone to fry an egg for you, maybe you want your egg really, really, really brown. Right? Really, really brown. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> someone who doesn't like brown egg would fry you a white egg. How many have seen a white egg before? Oh, you know that's what I'm saying. You know that's what I'm saying. Now, I remember when we got married not too long ago. I came home from work one time, and my wife had washed, and she had ironed. And then when I came, I realized that she had folded all the iron things into the wardrobe or whatever it is. Then I was going out, and then I picked the shirt and I ironed it again. And then I wore it. And then I came back later on and then all the things that she had ironed, I ironed them all over again. And my wife was not happy. In fact, she wrote a blog about it. So if you want... <laughs> so if you want details about that, I can take us here. Now, 
I didn't know this, but in my mind, I didn't tell her, I didn't explain. I just ironed everything all over again. And she had spent time ironing and preparing because, oh, her husband wants to go out. She's preparing how to be a wife. All the da, 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 da. Me, I didn't see all the things that she did. But I say, mercy, Lord. Now, I later got to know that, unfortunately, because of the power situation in Nigeria, right, many people iron in bulk and they fold it. Well, is it correct? So, a proof to your community that you have ironed your shirt, there must be lines in it. You understand what I'm saying? To prove to your community that you didn't just wash and wear, but you actually ironed your dress, there must be lines in it, the folded lines. Me, where I'm coming from, unfortunately for me, despite all the do so, I have had stable electricity. So a proof that I have ironed my dress, there should be no lines in it. I get what I'm saying? So every person who is a human being and has a taste will always believe that his way is right. Fortunately or unfortunately, up to now, I iron all the dresses for everyone in the house <laughs> up to now. I get to be. So it was a clash of culture. This is because she had a way and I also had a way. When people are not able to understand each other's way, this is where we get conflicts in marriages. But we are not dealing with relationship, this thing right now. Now, I asked the question, why is a man's way always right in his eyes? The reason why your way is right in your eyes, and the reason why your way is right in your eyes, the reason why your way is right in your eyes, the reason why my way is right in my eyes, is because of something called the nature of a king. Write it down in your notes. The nature of a king. Everybody who, everybody born of God, everybody created by God, as soon as you are independent, quote unquote, and I'll explain that one later on, not today. As soon as you can make decisions by yourself, you begin to express something called the nature of a king. Now, in a kingdom, this is different from a democracy. In a kingdom, what the king likes is what he does. That is why a king is not subject to his laws. Because what he says becomes law. Unfortunately or fortunately for us, as soon as we grow as human beings and our will kick in, we also begin to get our own taste. So because we are born and created in the image of God, where God is a king, we also begin to express his nature, that nature of a king, where we say that we can also have our own desires. So in your own life, in your own right, you are the king of your house. You are the king of your life. So because a king can do what he likes, you also want to do what you like. Because a king can do what he likes, you also want to do what he likes. Oh, do you understand what I'm saying so far? If you have a child who recently got something that he bought for with his own money. Let's say, what? What, what? what can it? Yes, let's say a pair of sneakers. The child will treat that pair of sneakers in a very, very different way than the sneakers that you bought for him. Because he made his own choice. 
when children begin to get their money, begin to save up, and then they buy something that belongs to them, they treat it in a completely different way than things that you give to them. If you, assuming we are all children in a house, and then you give the firstborn his own room, he would style the room as, as he wants. He's beginning to express the nature of a king inside of him. So the way of a man is always right in his eyes because of something that we have from God, the nature of a king. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. God is a king. Every king always does what he likes. So we also want to do what we like. Unfortunately, when you come to the king of kings, you must bow down and accept his ways. Unfortunately, when you come before the king of kings, you must accept his way. And that is why many of us don't want to do because we also want to say we are kings in our own right. So I will do what I want. It is not your fault. You are expressing a nature of God inside of you. But then before the king of kings, his way is better than yours. What he likes is better than what you like. In the house of a king, what the king eats is what everybody eats. Ask the people in the book of Daniel. When the king says that today I want to eat fried rice, the Bible says that the portion that were given to the slaves was the meat from the king's table. That means that unfortunately, if you don't like fried yam and your king likes fried yam, that is what you'll be eating all the days of your life. If you don't understand me, ask those who are slightly older than us. What the father of the house wants to eat is what all the children and the guests and the servants eat. Unfortunately, in this day and age, they will say they want ketchup and macaroni and sausages. Meanwhile, there is rice and soup. <laughs> you don't understand what I'm saying there. Eh? No, you understand it very soon. You understand it very soon. <laughs> Unfortunately, when there's rice and soup, kinky and fish, the children of the house will say, no, I like Indomie with egg. Say, mercy, Lord. So, you are always going to be right in your own eyes because you have a component of God inside of you that says you are a king. And every king does what he likes. But when you come before God, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 25 that when you say that you will choose your way in the presence of God, you are choosing the way of death. It means that unknown to us, we cannot judge what is right. Write this down again. Apart from the fact that you have the components of God inside of you, because of your limited stature, you don't know what is right. Oh, am I, am I correct? Or is it like I'm insulting you? I'm not insulting you. I'm not insulting you. Say, I don't know what is right. I don't know what is good. I don't know. So you need the Spirit of God to tell you what is good and what is right. Now someone would ask me, what am I saying? See, the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 19. Let's start from the verse number 1. Let's start from the verse number 1. This is what the Bible says. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. Give me the verse number two. And a great multitude followed him. Um, okay, jump to the verse number 16. The Bible says, Now behold, one came and said to him, underline this phrase if it's in your Bible, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Look at the verse number 17. 
So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now let's pause and look at the verse number 16. Jesus says that, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? He says, no one is good but God. It means that the man that was saying, good teacher, he doesn't even know what good is. Listen to me. He doesn't know what good is. So he saw the signs that Jesus was doing. He saw the miracles that Jesus was doing. And he assumed that Jesus was a good man. So he says, good teacher. And he says, pause. You don't know what is good. Now, if people don't understand this, that is why they will say that, oh, all religions are the same. Because we all help the poor. We all preach that, oh, live in peace. Live in harmony. So all religions are the same. So are you telling me that this good person who doesn't believe in Christ, he'll go to hell? And then Christians are not sure what to say. Because they say that, oh, he's a good man. But you don't go to heaven because you are a good man. Because you don't know what is good. Say, I don't know what is good. I don't know what is good. See, if you say that you, what you know is good, then what he also says is good. It will also be good. Then at the end of the day, there will be confusion in the entire society. Because everybody is a king in his own eyes. Everybody can do what he likes. If you are a king, then whatever you say is good. It is good in your kingdom. Oh, I, I understand me. I've lost you. You don't know what is good. I don't know what is good. I need someone who is outside of me. Someone who has an understanding over everything to be able to tell us what is good. And that is why the Bible can be lifted up as a standard for living. Because that is God's word. So if you don't know what is good, listen to what God is saying. That is good. The Bible says, So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. Last, a few weeks ago, Reverend Linda preached a message about decisions. And was talking about making good decisions versus God's decisions. You don't know what is a good decision. See, if I tell you that, oh, this fine boy, trees playing the keyboard, he's a good man, come and marry him. If I tell you that, I've, I've deceived you. I don't know that he's good. It is God that must tell me that he's good. If I tell you that, oh, this company is a good company, they pay well, come and work in that company, I've deceived you. Because I defined good by what? How much they pay. Meanwhile, God wants you to go there or God wants you to go somewhere else because of who you will meet. So our definition of good is different. One is how much they pay. From God's point of view, who will you meet? So if you say you are a king, you don't know what is good. You need to ask God what is good. So Jesus says, no one is good but God. Not written it in your notes, write it. I don't know what is good. I don't know what is good. I don't know what is good. So with that same scripture in Proverbs chapter 16, unfortunately, many of us, when we decide to accept God's will and God's definition, first of all, we don't want to accept his will because we are also kings in our own right. You understand me so far? We don't want to accept it. But when we choose his will, sometimes we choose our way in addition to his will. We don't want his will, because we want to do things as we want. But then if you force me, that's, oh, this is what God is saying, do it. Okay, so I'll do what God says I should do, but I'll do it my way. 
And that's most of the problem in the church so far. Let's, give, let's look at an, an, an example. Let's look at an example, then we'll be out of here. The example I want us to look at is in the book of Genesis chapter 15. Let's read from the verse number 1 to the verse number 6. We are using Abraham as a case study. Let's look at something that God told Abraham. Now, Abraham, I want you to understand that Abraham is the father of faith. If you are talking about the men that knew God, worked with God well, he was one of the people that worked with God well. Right? So let's read from the verse number 1 to the verse number 6. Genesis chapter 15. Can someone please read for me? Genesis chapter 15. Let's look at this example. From verse 1. After, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer. Verse of, Dam of Damascus, verse 3. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Amen. Amen. Now, at the point when Abraham was marked as a righteous man, God declared to him the end. That means that God declared to him his will. And one of the things that God said emphatically, Listen to what the Bible says. One that will come out of your own body shall be your what? Heir. So if you jump to Genesis chapter 16, Abraham came home and says, My dear Sarah, this is what God said to me. God said to me that, Oh, the servants in our house, they are not going to inherit us. We will have our own child that would inherit from us. And they said, Okay, tell me what exactly did God say? You know when women ask for more details? You want to know. It says, okay, so God said that someone who comes from your body shall be your heir. Go to Genesis chapter 16. When the wife heard it, he says, oh, okay, then Abraham, my Lord, take unto yourself my servant Hagar and produce an heir. Because God said, someone from your body shall be your heir. God didn't put me in the equation. God didn't put me in the equation. So Sarah said, me, I am past bearing children. Oh, do you understand me so far? Abraham said, my dear, are you sure? That's not what God said, though. God said, I would have an heir. But Sarah said, but Abraham, he said, that God said, someone from your own body shall be your heir. So take my servant Haggai to wife and produce an heir out of your own body. Because God excluded me out of the equation. Jump to Genesis chapter 17. His will in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham and his wife didn't ask God, apart from your will, what is your way? And let's go to Genesis chapter 17. In the book of Genesis chapter 17, the verse number 15 to the verse number 22. Let's start. Let's start. 
Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. Verse 16, And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. I will what? Bless her. I will what? Bless her. And give you what? A son by her. A son by her. Continue. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Jump to the verse number 18. In fact, let's read the verse number 17. Let's read the verse number 17. 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Verse 18. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son. No, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes. Amen. Let me end here. Now the Bible says that after Genesis chapter 15, when they misinterpreted the expected end of God and chose their own way, now God came in to clarify and says, I didn't mean it this way. I didn't mean it this way. Now Sarah yourself, Sarah and yourself would produce your own child. Now, think about what the Bible is saying. When God clarified his way, the same blessing he gave Abraham, a father of all nations, he pronounced the same blessing on Sarah, his wife. Unfortunately, before Sarah would laugh when he encountered the angels, Abraham had already laughed. I get me so far. Then, in the mind of God, in the mind of Abraham, when he had the way of God, he thought that God was going to neglect Ishmael. So he says, that, Father, you forget your way. I already have Ishmael. Let Ishmael live before you. Just bless him and let him inherit from me. Because after all, you said someone from my body. And God says, no. Sarah will bear you a son. Then he says, as for Ishmael, I've heard the concerns of your heart. So I will also bless him. It means that when God gave Abraham his word, his prophecy, in Genesis chapter 15, he was the declaration of the will of God. It was what? The declaration of the will of God. Abraham didn't ask God for his way. Sarah gave him the way. And then by Genesis chapter 17, God now came in to explain his way. Now I just want you to look at something briefly in the verse number 25. The verse number 25. After God gave Abraham his way, he gave him a cup that everyone in his house must be circumcised. And look at what the Bible says. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. When God gave Abraham the declaration of his will, it took him 13 years to explain his way to Abraham. It took him what? 13 years. If Abraham had gone sooner, maybe it would have been a shorter time. But it took him 13 years to know when God says, I will make you a father of no nations, this is the means in which I wanted. This is the mode of operation in which I wanted. When God said that you are going to be a mighty businessman, have you asked God 
the way in which he wants you to make, he wants to make you a mighty businessman or you have assumed for yourself. When God says that he wants you to go to the school or to go to school in the U.S., have you asked God, what way do you want me to get to the U.S.? In fact, what school do you want me to be in? Or any school in the U.S. matters, doesn't even concern you. It's like every school is the same. It's the same. No. It took Abraham 30 years to understand the way of God. So as we conclude, I just want us to look at five things about the way of God. The first number, the, po- the, f- the first point, the first point, five things about the way of the Lord. The first point, you cannot do the will of God in the manner you deem fit. You must do the will of God in the way that God wants it. So in the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 10, we've read the scripture several times. It says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Many of us end there. Let your will be done unto me. But that is not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, as it is in heaven, in the way that it is happening in heaven, in the means that it is happening in heaven, in the mode of operation that the will is being executed in heaven. Not just let your will come, but as it is in heaven. If you receive the will of God for your life, ask God for how it should be executed. Point two. When God gives you his will, he has told you the expected end. But when you ask God for his way, he gives you a way of preparation. Listen to me. When you ask God for his will, he will give you the expected end. And with the expected end, you can misinterpret God. But when you spend time before God and say, Father, show me the way. That way he gives you is a way of preparation. Do you understand me? Look at what the Bible says in the book of Luke. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 3, the verse number 4 to 6. The Bible says, as it is written in the book of the words of the law, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is a way of preparation. So he said, make his path straight. The way that God wants to execute things, if it doesn't conform to what you like, what you admire, what you desire, make that thing straight. Every valley, if you are doubting the will of the Lord, let every valley of doubt filled up. Every, every mountain, let it be brought low. Every mountain of pride, every mountain of arrogance, let it be brought low. You don't understand the way of God. Then it says, make his path straight. Let every crooked place become straight. If there's something you don't understand, that is crooked. Misunderstanding, confusion. Go back and say, Father, what is your way? Because when God is giving you his way, it is a straight way of preparation. God prepares you to walk on his way. God prepares you to work. That is why God can say that I am taking you in the book of Genesis chapter 13. When God said to the people of Israel, I am taking you to the promised land. He said to them that I am not going to use a shortcut. No. I will go through by the way of the sea so that when you encounter wars from the people of Philistine, you will not change your mind. If God just tells you that I'm going to make you a prophet and doesn't take you through the way of preparation, at the end of it, you give up. 
you give up because you have not been prepared to receive the expected end of God. Oh, are you hearing me? The expected end of God. See, it is a destination, but it must be received by a prepared man. Write this in your, in your books. The expected end of God. It is a destination, but it is received by a prepared man. When you walk, when you walk in the way of God, that is how God trains you. That is how God prepares you so that you receive what He has said. You receive what He has said. So God says that you are going to be a multi-zillionaire. One of the ways of preparing you is that you begin to empty yourself. You empty your bank account. And I said, no, Father, no, no. Father, you said that I'm going to be a millionaire. It means that I must have money. So I know, according to finances and basic principles of saving, that I must buy treasury bills. I must open an account. I must invest in this market, that market, this market. And then when the money comes, I save it somewhere. Because that is how I amass wealth. And God is saying, oh, that is your way. There is a way that seems right to you, but that is not how to go. My way of making you rich, give out your money. My way of making you rich, give out your house. My way of making you rich, empty your bank account. Father, but I don't have money. Oh, it says follow my way. My way is life. Oh, you don't understand me so far. You don't understand me. You don't understand me. You don't understand me. When God is giving you his will, it must be received by a prepared man. That is what his way will do to you. Prepare you to get it. I already said the point number three. The point number three. John chapter 14 verse 6. When you encounter the way of God, you encounter the way of life. So the Bible says in John chapter 14 verse 6 that Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means that if you don't have the way of God, you don't have the truth of God and you don't have life. Oh, you don't, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you don't have the way of God, and that is why I said previously that anytime you choose your own way, you have entered into the realm of imperfection. Anytime you accept someone else's proposed way, you have entered into the realm of imperfection. If you choose the way of God, you enter into the life of God. So that is why Proverbs chapter 16 verse 25 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it are the ways of death. The ways of death. Hallelujah. The fourth point about the way of God, then we'll be out of here. Point. The fourth point about the way of God. Now I want you to write this and I want, to, I want you to understand. You see, every way leads to a lifestyle. And a lifestyle leads, leads to a culture, right? Now, every way of life that someone chooses, it is usually backed by a spiritual force. Listen to me. Every way of life that someone chooses, it is usually backed by a spiritual force. So if you are in the way of God, the way of life of God, that means that God is sponsoring that way of life. I get to me. If you are not in the way of life, that means something else is sponsoring that way of life. And that is why there are certain communities that you realize that the people in that community, they all act in a particular way. I get to me. Because there is a backing of a spiritual entity that is causing them to act in a particular way. 
So when you choose the way of God, you are choosing the influence of God. You are saying that God influenced my path. You are saying that God back my path. Now, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we are not going to read everything, but let's just read the verse number 1 and the verse number 2. It says, And he made alive who were dead in trespass and sin. Look at the verse number 2. In which you once walked, according to the course, if the Bible is yours, underline it, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that was now in the, in the sense of disobedience. The word course of the world is talking about the flow of a river. So he says that we were once walking in the flow of the world. And he says that this flow of the world was governed by the prince of the air. So when things are trending and things are not trending according to God's way, what is that spirit causing us to flow in that trending way? If things are trending and we want to also be part of the trend, what is sponsoring that trend? If things are moving in a particular way and we find ourselves doing the same thing, what is backing that particular action? So the Bible says, in the verse number 6, when God decided to deliver you, in the verse number 6, he says, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. The things that were influencing the course of the world, God lifted us far above it. Do you understand me? So that you are not under that influence. Then the verse number 10, look at what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says in the verse number 10. For we are his workmanship. You can read the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 10. Because of time. The verse number 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Look at the last line. That we should what? Walk in them. That means that the way that God wants you to be in, he has prepared it for you to what? Walk in it. He's going to influence. He's going to sponsor. He's going to dictate how you walk in them. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. The last point, the last point, and I know that some of you will not be happy with this particular point, but I'll say it anyways. The last point. Remember that we read Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, that there is a way that seems right to a man. And I said that you like your own way because you are a king. You like your own way because you are a king. And I said that you don't know what is good, right? And the last point about the way of God. When you actually submit to the way of God, what God likes, you realize that that is what you like. When you submit to the will of God and the way of God, you realize that what God likes and how he likes it, that is what you would also like. You understand me? You understand me? And this one, see, I don't need to explain this in any spiritual sense. If you've gone to boarding school before, before you went to boarding school, you didn't like Gary and Shito. You came back out of boarding school and Gary and Shito was your favorite food. Because you encountered a group of people that showed you their way of life. First, you thought it was strange. But right now, it's your favorite dish. Hallelujah. It's what? We still eat it. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you submit to what? The will of God and the way of God. You realize that what God wants is what you actually want. So that is why the Bible says in the book of Psalm 16 verse 11, it says that show me, he will show me the path of life. Then look at what the Bible says. In your presence is the fullness of joy. 
at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That means that I find full fulfillment. I find the fullness of joy in your presence. That means that when I begin to accept your path of life, I have the pleasures that I want right where you are directing me. Right where you are directing me. In the book of John chapter 28, the final, one of the final words to the son John, he was speaking to him in the verse number 18. Book of John chapter 21, the verse number 18. John 21 verse 18. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were young, you gathered yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will guide, will get you and carry, and carry you where you do not wish. Now, this seems contradictory. Anytime you insist on your way, despite hearing God's way, God is trying to tell you that you are immature. You have not grown yet. You have not grown yet. So the Bible says that but when you grow, you would accept that the Spirit of God will prepare you and he will begin to lead you in the place that you do not wish. Jesus did not wish to go through the path of Gethsemane, through the path of Calvary and the cross. But then when he says, your will, O Lord, at the end of it, he realized that he liked it. He liked it because it gave him what he wanted. It gave him what? What he wanted. A name above all other names. It gave him a position at the right hand of God. It gave him exactly what he truly needed. When you accept the way of God, his mode of operation, his style of treating you, his style of treating a particular situation, you realize that the pleasures you want, they are always at your right hand. And that is why you realize that many people who have become rich by God's way, who have become wealthy by God's way, who have become very successful by God's way. The things that we value about them, they don't value that things. But have you realized that? That's why a man of God can say, see, I know, I mean, you see I'm a rich man of God, but he can empty his account right now for you. He, he, can, he can give you all his cars. Apostle can say, see, if you, if you want Apostle's car right now, just come and tell him, he'll give it to you. He, give it, he doesn't even have to think about it. Let's just think about it. There are some cars that he gave out, and then later on, he came to him, oh, I've given it out. So I said, oh, Apostle. <laughs> but he, has, he doesn't think about it because he doesn't value it. Because he's realized that in the way of God, that is what he wants. Because God will sponsor that particular way. Let's rise up onto our feet. Do you understand everything that we've said so far? There is the will of God. That is the expected end. But you cannot get to the expected end by your own means. You need God to get to that expected end. Because when the person God is expecting at that end is a prepared man. It's someone who he, that's someone who has, who he has prepared, trained, anointed, removed all kinds of independence and rebellion from his heart so that he would do things in the way that he wants. Today our prayer is simple. Psalm 18 verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. That's our prayer. And you are praying that for yourself, that Father, in any aspect of my life, I know that I have my own preference. Oh, I know that I want you to treat me like this when it comes to my finances. I know that Father, I want you to treat me like this when it comes to my family. But today I am accepting your way. And I declare to you that your way is perfect. Your way is perfect. 
your way is perfect. Lift up your voice and begin to pray right now. Beloved, thank you for listening. This recording was brought to you by Zion Impact Ministries. And it is our prayer that these words will be embedded in the fertile soil of your hearts. God bless you.